training, but you need to have that tapered training with the consistent energy intake so that when you are lining up on race day, you've got enough fuel stored in the body and the fuel stored is going to be carbohydrates. We've got plenty of fat stored and even the leanest person has you know, lots of fat stored, that's fine. Um, but it really is, yeah, the carbohydrates um, that we don't want to skimp out on during, you know, on race week. Welcome to the RMA podcast. host Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I'm glad you've joined us today. I hope you loved my last episode where I talked to RMA Amanda Richardson who hails now from Toronto and the journey that running brought her on finding community and connection overseas. In this episode of the RMA podcast, I talk to Sophie Brown. Sophie Brown is an exercise physiologist and also a dietitian. Sophie works in the areas of mental health and also she works with athletes and runners of all abilities. Sophie is also a very accomplished mountain runner herself, having podiumed at many, many different events. And she shares openly her love of nutrition throughout her social media, which you can find her at The Running Dietitian on Instagram. Today, I talked to Sophie about lots of the questions that RMAs have been asking over the past few years. We talk about nutrition and how it can play a big role in our performance, whether that be before, during or after events, how to best use nutrition for recovery, how to best use nutrition throughout different phases of our life, such as you know performance during pregnancy or maybe even during perimenopause or menopause. So we touch on lots of different things today. I hope you get great insight from this podcast. It is quite long. There's a few little glitches here and there. Please bear with us. Um, I was actually at a different location to record this podcast um, during this episode. But it is such a great episode. If you have any questions, you can email Sophie or you can contact her yourself if you would like to get in touch with her to organize a nutrition program for you and your training and performance. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Sophie Brown. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. 
You can also find Physiocrem at your local pharmacy. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. Um, I've known you for a while now and I have been wanting to get you on the podcast since I started because a lot of people have been asking me when are you going to do a podcast around nutrition. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really know where to start because as we discussed before, we went on to air, there's so much to nutrition for runners and, and just nutrition in general. Um, and as a dietitian, I'm sure you work with lots and lots of people around areas of nutrition throughout different forms, uh, different parts of their life and lifestyle. Um, but particularly today, we wanted to talk to you regarding runners and specifically maybe even to women um, who are part of our community. Um, but before we begin and dive into talking about nutrition, do you want to just give us a quick little journey into the life of Sophie Brown? Um, maybe like, you know, where did your running journey start? Because you were running yourself and what's that look like now? And how did you get into nutrition? So mesh those two together somehow. Sure. Um, okay. So I have been running probably for about, um, well, 2012. So what's that? Almost 10 years now. I started running back then doing like uh, little events like STS trail series, um, Glenbrook marathon or half marathon at the time. Um, the running wild events and mm -hmm. um, so those sort of smaller events and, and how I got into it is I actually followed my brother so my brother was like you should why do you run on the road you should run on trails and I thought well okay yeah that's all right and, he, and then he took me on a training run with him and I absolutely hated it because I couldn't keep up and it was like all hard and technical and stuff um, <laughs> then when I got back I was like I, you know after the moment I was like that's that was actually really fun, like just doing something that challenged me that I hadn't done before. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I figured out um, is what drives me in running is doing something that I've never done before. Like I always find that I'm saying, oh, I'm about to run my first half marathon or I'm going to run my first marathon or I'm going to run my first maybe 100K or whatever it is. Like I always want to just challenge myself and do something different so I think yeah that's my drive for running um and as I said started with those fun runs and sort of built up from the half marathon distance to a few 50k so I've done UTA 50 a couple of times I've done six foot track um Tarawira and um I then built up that distance again to Old Ghost which is my longest run so far and that's 85k's mm -hmm. that was just before COVID which is which was awesome um and probably my most memorable um podium finish there because that was with Ruth Croft and Ruby Muir so it was amazing just mm -hmm. standing up there with those two superstars yeah um yeah and yeah, so I guess that's my running side of things. And then um, I did study. So I went into commerce straight up from uni, did a year of that, but realised like that wasn't really what I was loving. Mm. Um, I always was into health and fitness and, you know, from school, school age. And, yeah, so I quickly changed from commerce to exercise science and nutrition and did the combined degree in those those guys and yeah have been qualified as an ep 
and a dietitian, um, yeah, for about 10, 10 years or so now. Um, yeah, so I work with, I've got uh, two, I work with runners as, as of course, um, and that is like my, what I love to do because that's what I do myself. So I can put my experience and, and also my, my professional knowledge into, into that. But I also have um, a lot of work in mental health and I work with um, NDIS clients. Okay. And yeah, a lot of exercise groups, um, healthy lifestyle programs, nutrition mm -hmm. consults and things like that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And actually it just brought my memory back to when I first met you. Like, I, I don't know why, but I was just putting you in this little pigeonhole of nutrition and like dietics or dietetics, I should say. Um, and then you just brought my memory back to when I first met you, that's what you were doing. You were doing the small group things. And I was like, that's right. You're an exercise scientist as well. <laughs> like, I forgot that. Like, um, and that would be really rewarding work, um, working with people. It's so rewarding and it's, you know, completely opposite to working with athletes, um, working with people who their goal might be to be able to get out to the letterbox, you know, and get their mail or whatever it is. Like, yeah, it's just a really small steps that they take. Um, but they, yeah, you can see huge changes and, and big differences that, yeah, it's really good. Mm, I love that. Oh, I love that part of your journey. That's really good. So it's good that you get to combine both those things, like your professional life with your passion as well. What do you love most about working with athletes and runners? I mean, they're probably but not all runners even. Like, why do you like working with athletes? Yeah, I like working with athletes because they do what you say. <laughs> they love science. They love numbers. And I do as well. Um, like, I love, like, a normal person but like a non-athlete um like they don't care how many grams of this and uh, you know and every anything per hour and all of that sort of stuff whereas I love doing doing that and working things out I was very good at maths at school so I think that's you know maths and science were kind of my my things so um yeah there's a lot of that in working with athletes and um I do like that um and then perform like the performance seeing someone uh, improve their performance and helping someone to, to better themselves as an athlete. is just, that's also quite re rewarding as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think, and I've had, you know, the benefit of having you as someone who has devised a nutrition plan for me in a few of my big races before, um, which thank you very much, by the way, because I don't think it, and I've, I say to all the girls I coach and I say to people that ask me for my advice in terms of big ultras, for example, 100K type things, especially, um, they ask for my advice. And the one piece of advice I always give them, the main one, other than just training, obviously, is that you need a nutrition plan. You know, you really should get one. And I always tell yeah. them to go to you because um, I find that, you know, in the experiences that I've had with racing, um, those are distances, like I don't think I would have had such great experiences had I not had such a well-devised plan and trusted you mm. to do that for me and what you were going, and, you know, you worked with me of what I liked, um, you know, what I like to eat um, and you tailored it specifically for me and my needs and it worked perfectly. I, I couldn't fault it. Like, so um Whereas when I've tried to do things in the past by myself, they haven't always gone to plan. So 
you know, I think, you know, do you find a lot of your athletes do always listen to that advice or do you get some that will try and bend the rules a little and what kind of um, performance issues might they have when they do that, I guess, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I guess um, I always say to my athletes that we have this plan in place, but it's not, you know, it's not set in stone. Um, Obviously, there's so many factors that can come into play in the middle of an ultra that could throw your plan out the window completely. So I don't get offended if it changes. Um, And in, in fact, I encourage and try to teach um my athletes to be able to change it on the on the go Mm. um you know if you're running i don't know uh, 10 hours like who's to say you're going to still like the taste of tailwind after six hours you know things might change um so yes I, i think yeah that's um, I have that conversation with with my runners for sure um, and I don't feel offended if they change things <laughs> and do you think like I guess people that are going to you as well anyway are going to mostly take your advice because they're paying you for it so they're not going to be like well no I'm not going to do that um, <laughs> but what do you think the common mistake is for people that you see um, probably not the ones that have come to you because they're all doing what you said um, but people that are training for events and it doesn't have to be long races. It can be anything that requires nutrition. So maybe a little bit of the longer distance ones, especially, but what do you think the most common mistakes are that people make in terms of their avoiding um, recognizing things with their nutrition and their performance? Um, I, I find a lot of people wait until they feel like eating. Um, and that's often when a new client comes in, they, that's what they're currently doing. They'll say, oh, I didn't feel hungry until, you know, an hour and a half. So I didn't have anything until 90 minutes in. Um, and so that's a common mistake is not eating soon, um, quick enough, early enough in an event. Um, so you really do need to sort of start early and, and eat regularly. Um, and and hydrate as well it's often we're feeling pretty good at the start of a race we've had maybe a pre-race meal and some drink before so you know you don't necessarily get to the stage where you want something until it's too late Mm. Um, and it's yeah always hard to play catch-ups later on on the other hand it's also you know people could go overboard and have too much um, Mm. but quite hard as well to (laughs) to come out of but um, yeah, the common mistake I see is people not starting early enough. Hydration, um, yeah, that's a big thing. It's a bit confusing as well. Like there's that mixed messages out there of just drinking. Do we drink to thirst or do we drink to a plan? Um, and I think a lot of like for the longer distances, you need to have some kind of plan. Like you can't just, if you just drink to thirst and it's really quite a long event, you're eventually going to get into trouble um and then obviously there's also the again the risk of the reverse where people are overhydrating and drinking too much um and that tends to happen at the like the back of the pack or when you've got more opportunity to slow down and stop and drink a lot of people who are out there for a long time can be at you know at risk there and drink too much and then that's actually like quite dangerous it can cause hyponatremia or diluted blood um, sodium levels um so yeah that's also a common um error as well Mm. um so that's i guess that just comes that 
to the importance of, of speaking to someone and getting a bit of an idea of how much you should be targeting. It's not going to be an exact amount, but it would be a range at least. Um, you know, to go over a certain amount, but also if you just drank to thirst in a all day event, um, you are probably going to end up, you know, dehydrated at some point. Mm. Your performance will, will suffer. Yeah. Well, we might skip ahead with that. Just it's a question we're going to ask later anyway, but while we're on that, I'm talking about hydration. What would be some things that people might experience if they were in an event and they were getting dehydrated? What might be some of the symptoms that they might be experiencing? Um, so dehydration can cause um, a lot of gut, gut issues could be caused from dehydration. Um, it increases your risk of cramps as well. So cramping could actually be from dehydration. Um, obviously, you're really thirsty when, you, when you're dehydrated. Um, yeah, our natural uh, mechanism there. Um, having said that, in under a lot of physical stress and you're in the middle of an ultra, your bodies may not be able to recognise that dehydration as well. Mm. Um, so that's, that's another reason why not to just drink to thirst in those kind of events because, yeah. you know, you, want, you may not recognise that you are dehydrated. So if someone was thinking that they were dehydrated, I guess the best thing would be to, to drink, but would they be just drinking water or would they need to take something that had more electrolytes in it? Um, so it depends on your whole nutrition strategy for that event. So if you are like, you can do a combination of um, fuel and electrolytes in your hydration Mm -hmm. um, or some people just do solid food plus water, like food and gels and then plain water. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to preferences and what you've tried and what you liked. Mm -hmm. um, there is no evidence that drinking even an electrolyte drink will prevent you from that hyponatremia that I mentioned before. So a lot of people say, well, I'm, that's okay because I'm drinking sports drink. I'm drinking electrolyte drinks. I won't dilute my sodium levels. Mm. But even sports drink is not at the right, like such a strong concentration of sodium like our, our blood is. So we're still effectively diluting our blood sodium levels no matter what we drink. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that's, that's good to know. I wouldn't have thought that actually. Yeah. 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 No, that's a common misconception about, about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll move on. So when I... When I started um, getting the questions together that I was going to ask you today, I thought the best way to go about um, what to cover was to ask the RMA network what they wanted to know. So we came up with a really extensive list of questions, which I did send to you. So I think what we'll do is we'll just go through um, some of those questions now. And a lot of the um, the first questions, I guess, are around racing or nutrition during during pre and post events. Um, so we'll, we'll focus on that first and then we'll move into some of the other more specific questions that some of the women had um, around, you know, nutrition for being a woman and things like that. So, so one of the first questions was um, around carb loading. And now when I started running, I actually was really intrigued by the whole concept of carb loading myself, especially when I started getting into like the half marathon, marathon distances, when you really need the, that extra nutrition. Do you actually believe in carb loading? Um, 
for those that might not know who are listening today for the first time and have no idea what carb loading is, what is it? Yeah. And have you done it? And maybe is it even helpful to us as runners? I'm actually embarrassed to say that I haven't done it. And I, when I read this question again, I'm like, I really need to do this one day because there is a performance benefit. Um, you know, there's they've carb loading, if you do it correctly, um, has been shown to improve your performance by about 2 to 3% over a set distance. So oh. in a race situation. Um, and so what it is, is like, well, the per, I guess starting with the reason why you would do it is um, you are trying to get extra glycogen stored in the body. So in the, in the muscles and in the liver. So glycogen is the carbohydrates stored yep. in your body. Um, and you're, yeah, trying to super compensate, I guess, your muscle glycogen stores. So you've got more energy on board when you start the race. Um, and yeah, that, that's been shown to improve performance, um, but it's not, you're not needed at all for anything um, up to 90 minutes. So we've got enough carbohydrates stored normally in our body for we could do an event of 90 minutes fine without having to take on extra fuel. Mm -hmm. um so carb loading is really only beneficial for those longer events but yeah i haven't tried it myself and i want to mm. um what happens if you do it properly is you have to eat so much food um like so it's about for females it's about eight grams of carb per kilo of body weight um then it's about 10 grams so you know say you're a 70 kilo female what's that 560 grams mm, you're better at the maths than me but yeah okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we go 560 grams um i'm gonna get my calculator out now. yeah <laughs> 560 to give you that in like slices of bread that's about 37 slices of bread wow yeah. <laughs> one day yeah so the how to do it is you, like you need to have quite refined um lower fiber not a lot of fat so because otherwise you just get full and you wouldn't be able to eat the volume of food that you need to eat mm. um so you know it's like cereal with a glass of juice and then having your gatorade or your, your sports drink in between mm. um white crackers with jam honey um fruit smoothies with extra honey like all that sort of stuff throughout the whole day mm. um for two to three days before a race Okay. Yeah. I would do it for two days. Let's say if it's two to three, I'm going to go for two. Yeah. Um, and if you do it properly, you'll gain about two kilos as well because you, like, you store all carbs um, with water. So it is water weight. Okay. Um, but you know, that's – so I don't see – like that might be a bit of a negative if, if your race is only two or three hours. Like you're actually two kilos heavier to start with. So you're going to mm. be carrying that over, you know, two or three hours. Obviously, you'll sweat it out, but um, you know, I think for longer stuff, the performance benefit would outweigh the, you know, the detriment from the weight gain, mm. um, for sure. Mm. So yeah, um, I'll try it one day and let you know how I go. Yeah, maybe you can try it in your next big race. <laughs> we'll see. Well, maybe not. I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll try it in training first. Yeah, know? in training <laughs> first. Always in training first. Well, I've tried it probably badly, but I have tried it in quite a lot of my long races, and then I haven't tried it as well. So I, when I was probably um, a little bit less experienced with runs, like old, long runs. 
I yeah. was trying it because um, I just thought that's what everybody did. And I would say that for a while it probably did help. But then as I've gone on and done some of my longer, like 100K kind of things, even or even just 50s, I haven't done it and I haven't noticed yeah. too much of a difference, to be honest. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I would eat carbohydrate rich food, but I wasn't like loading up like on a lot of carbohydrate. Yeah. So, um, you may have done it, you know, um, properly. Like, you didn't do the sort of eight grams per kilo. Yeah. Like, I, well, I probably tried as much as I could to get as much carbohydrate in for three days up leading in. Um, yeah. but I did get given some advice by someone who was a triathlete who said to me that you should try and take as much, um, in a, like in a liquid form of carbohydrate instead yeah. of the solid. Cause so we always take like power rain and like, you yeah. know, juice and things that were more of a, of a carbohydrate contact yeah. in, in liquid, not so much yeah. food because I'm only little, so I can't ingest yeah. a lot. It can help if people struggle to get carbs in when they're racing. So some people who have sensitive tummies and they just feel like, like, you know, no matter how much they've practiced it in training, they can't get, you know, close to what they need every hour in event. Um, it could be beneficial for, for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, okay. but yeah, not, not for everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What about in terms of, nutrition the week before a race and we're not specifically talking about carb loading here but just in terms of nutrition the week leading into an event um what kind of foods should people try and eat and what kind of foods should people try and avoid eating perhaps leading into an event good question um so a week before a race um i guess you there's a you got to strike a balance between eating enough but also not eating all the food because, you know, you've got a race coming up and you've got to eat as much as you can. Like we don't want that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're eating lots of junk food to try and get calories in. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely don't want that. But also I find like on the other hand, some people might be worried that they'll gain weight perhaps because they're tapering off their training. And, mm-hmm. and so they think, oh, well, I better taper off my food as well. Um, which is not a great strategy a week before a race. Um, you've probably got a lot of nervous energy as well that you're, you're utilising over the week um, and you need to be, you know, it's sort of like the carb load thing, but you need to have that tapered training with the consistent energy intake so that when you are lining up on race day, you've got enough fuel stored in the body and the fuel stored is going to be carbohydrates. We've got plenty of fat stored and even the leanest person has you know, lots of fat stored. That's fine. Um, but it really is, yeah, the carbohydrates um, that we don't want to skimp out on during, you know, on race week. Um, so I find like I would, it's good to taper off um, your fiber a bit towards the end of the week. So leading into the race a couple of days before, like you're not going to do super high fiber foods like your legumes or a really, you know, dense um, fibrous bread, you know, whole grain bread, um, that sort of thing. And what else like pearl barley, like something like that, that's psyllium husk. Like you'd sort of taper those things off just before a race. Um, Red meat's another one like that is a bit takes a bit longer to to digest and and process. So um, I would avoid red meat the day before a race. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then roast week is is just about getting all the nutrients in like you want a lot of a lot of antioxidants and um so a lot of fruit like fruit and vegetables and whole grain like quality carbohydrates Mm. um and then as i said just tapering off that that fiber um the red meat and also definitely the day before you don't want a lot of fats either like uh, you know nothing stodgy creamy dishes um Mm. high fat meats and things like that definitely don't want to have that right before race yeah what would you particularly eat like say for dinner the night before or would you even have dinner or would you i've i've gone from having dinner to having but no sorry not not would you not have dinner skip out dinner no we're not doing that what i meant to say was would you have like i've i've changed things to trial it over different times so some of the races um in the past i might have had dinner um but i would have had lunch and then a meal at dinner time but then i've gone to having maybe my main meal at lunchtime um, mm-hmm. the, the night be- the day before a, a race and having a lighter meal like it could have just been like muesli and you know something a bit lighter on my yeah. stomach at dinner time what what would you do yeah. for yourself what's your personal yeah. preference um no that's a good idea um i i tend to have a big bigger meal at dinner time um and it's currently rice based um so it used to be pasta and then you know the whole everyone's got gluten intolerance and everyone's scared of wheat. I know that's, that's stupid and I shouldn't fall into that because I don't have gluten intolerance and not, there's nothing wrong with pasta if you don't have a gluten intolerance. Yeah. Having said that, I'll just go, I go for rice now because um, it's, you know, it's a safe option. Mm. Um, and also you can always buy microwave rice when you're traveling. So it's really easy to, and a can of tuna, and, yeah. you know, cherry tomatoes and a handful of spinach and you're done and yeah usually chicken or fish if i'm having a a protein um but a smaller portion of protein like compared to usual like um i probably have the protein on my plate and double the carb on my plate compared to a usual meal yeah cool another question someone else had was what about nutrition the week after a race we could start at maybe because you've said this to me before and you gave me this really good advice which was you know that we should be pretty much starting our nutrition within half an hour of the race finishing so what let's start there and then sort of move through you know the next few days i guess what that might look like but maybe let's start just after you've finished your event (laughs) what would you do well any race you're working hard right you you've got some kind of intensity there um, and being, if it's a trail race, you've definitely got the intensity there. So yeah, what we're doing is we're depleting our carbohydrate stores in the body. Um, as I said before, we've only got 90 minutes of carbs and I'm assuming we're doing like a longer event here. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we fuel as best as we can, we're not going to be replacing everything we lose hour after hour. So you're going to be depleted one way of or another of carbohydrates um so we need to replace them but that's not like an like we've got time to do that like it's good to get in a good dose straight away so in your recovery meal um you sort of target about one gram per kilo of body weight so again 70 kilo person would have trying to get 70 kilo 70 grams of carbs in in that meal Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can continue to replace carbohydrates over the day. Um, protein, though, is super important to get in within that that 
half an hour ideally to at least like no longer than an hour mm-hmm. um and you want sort of uh, quality protein that's like um going to help rebuild that that muscle damage that you've just done in in the race mm-hmm. um sounds terrible but that's what happens <laughs> um yeah so high bioavailability protein ideally with a, a high leucine content so things like eggs fish um you know animal protein so chicken meat um would be good uh whey protein if you're going for a protein powder so i mean i don't advocate protein powders all the time but if that's a quick and easy and um, transportable option for you at the end of a race then yep go go for it mm-hmm. um yeah so protein and around 20 grams of protein is optimal um, so 20 grams, what's that? It's like, you know, a hundred gram portion of, um, meat mm-hmm. or three, three eggs. So you might do like salmon and eggs on toast, yeah. something yeah. like that. And you're definitely hitting your protein and, and carbs there. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's straight after a race. Then, oh, and, um, electrolytes. So you need to replace all the electrolytes you've lost through your sweat. Um, so having a drink, it could be milk base. Mm-hmm. You'll probably know I'm a big fan of chocolate milk. That was um, going to be my next question. <laughs> what about chocolate milk? Chocolate milk's great because it's got the it's got the the yeah. right protein from the you know from the cow's milk, and then it's got extra sugar from the the chocolate mm. and the sugar that's added. So you know higher carb. So that's really good. Um, smoothie, fruit smoothie is another option. So yeah, you might have a meal plus a uh, some kind of a drink with that meal, yeah, straight away. Um, and then just water, obviously, lots and lots of water. Um, you will be needing to replace that for the next twenty four hours at least. Um, so if you, uh, I don't know if if you've ever weighed yourself after a run, just to see how much you sweat. Um, so say you say you lost a kilo, you actually need to replace like one and a half kilos, so one and a half times what you lose over the next sort of 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Next okay. 24, oh, sorry, not next 24 hours, but like immediately. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then for the, like the rest of the, the next few days, uh, you can't, you like, yeah, I guess have, have what you want for a meal or two, but don't go, you know, don't go crazy and just eat junk food for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, the body needs to heal, it needs to repair, it needs to rebuild. Um, there'll be a lot of inflammation going on after a big race. So um, I tend to go for these anti-inflammatory kind of foods um, for that week after a race. And that's fruit and vegetables, nuts and seeds, fish, extra virgin olive oil, you know, those sort of things, just quality, quality food. Mm. I like it because a lot of people would go, well, I'm just going to go get the big fat burger and chips and just eat my body weight in (laughs) junk because I just ran 50 kilometers. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you're always going to feel better if you're fueling your body with good, nutritious, wholesome food. And you can do that well, while not skimping out on taste. Like, you know, as you said, like having a nice meal of like, it could be eggs and on toast with like, you know, just, some salmon on it's beautiful it tastes amazing a healthy burger like just get a 
your quality piece of, of meat on a whole grain bun with like, you know, salad and avocado and mm. that sort of stuff with a side of side of chips. Yeah, go for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, just as, as I said, don't go all out and junk food for every single meal, you know, for days after. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that's too, like, that, that leads me into the next question, which I wanted to ask was, do you think that's where a lot of runners and um, just, you know, everyday athletes go wrong too in terms of their training is they think that because they're running all these distances, they can just eat anything they like. And a lot of people will say to me, well, how come I've run, I'm training for an ultra and I'm just putting on weight or I'm training for this and all I've got, all I've done is put weight on. And I'm like, well, what are you actually ingesting? Like, what are you eating? How much food are you taking on? How much nutrition are you like even for your runs, how long are they? And what are you actually eating during your run? Like maybe you're doing too much. Do you find yeah, that's a problem? Definitely, definitely. Um, I find, yeah, and running makes you hungry, right? So um, yeah, there's that mentality where because I run, I can eat what I want. Um, that, and it's very quick to get in. If you're eating sort of junk foods, it's very easy to get in calories very quickly and, and actually not get that satisfied after it like you just get hungry um you know a few minutes later so um it's very easy to get in excess calories what about i was thinking about in terms of race nutrition mm -hmm. there's so much this is a question i actually didn't give you but i thought about <laughs> it when i sat down before there's so much on the market in terms of what people could take on as race nutrition you know there's so many different brands um out there yeah do you think it's easy for people to get caught in the trap of like marketing stuff as opposed to what's really going to be beneficial for them in in an event like you know in terms of do you do you think that people and and another part of that question is too if people are going to use um we're talking about gels and things like that um do you think that everybody needs to or can other can people just use normal everyday food as well yeah Good question. Um, and it comes down to what, like, each person, each individual, uh, firstly, likes and dislikes mm. the table, um, but also what you can and can't tolerate when you're running. Some mm. people just can't eat solid food while they run. It's like the chewing mm. um, could make them feel, feel sick, just the actual action of chewing. Um, and yes, yeah, so it does come down to to that is what you like and dislike, um, textures, what what works for each individual. Um, but also having said that, you can train yourself to take on different things. Um, so I get a lot of people coming in saying, no, I can't have anything when I run. Like there's no way I could have a gel when I run. Um, but it's just that they haven't really tried it you know, in the correct way. Like you might not just start with a whole gel and not have any water with it like mm. that might be terrible but if you had a little bit of a gel at the time followed it with a sip of water and you sort of trained yourself to get used to it mm. um sooner or later you may be able to have that whole gel followed with a cup of water afterwards and mm. do that every 45 minutes or whatever it is mm. so there is that that um training of the gut um training yourself to take on more fuel Mm. Um, I just spoke to a lady today, a client today, and I was talking about 40 to 60 grams of carbs per hour. And she, you know, her jaw dropped and was like, what? Like, how am I supposed to get that much in? 
you know, she had one gel in, in the middle of a long run and that was it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, a bit daunting to, to think, but there's all different, like, I think it's, it's good that we've got all these different types of products because you can also mix and match. Like, yeah. um, you know, you might get sick of having gel after gel. If you need two gels an hour, every hour, um, you might not want to do that for an ultra marathon. So having a sports drink as well means you can have less gels over that race. Yeah. Um, stopping and if you, you've got time to stop at an aid station and have something to eat, um, I think solid food is quite good in terms of um, feeling like avoiding hunger. Mm. So, um, you know, some people just get hungry if they're just on gels and sports drink and they need a little bit of protein or a little bit of um, texture to, to fill their stomach and, um, you know, satisfy hunger, hunger pangs. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, and there's so many gels out there and more and more like real, real food gels are coming out and, that's sort of a shift towards having real food rather than processed sugar. Yeah. Um, and I guess my view on that is like, so I, I, I personally would have real food gels when I train, mm. but in a race situation where I want really quick and easy to digest and just fast acting energy, I'll go for the processed sugar and, you know, um, you know your typical gels i don't know talk or goo or um, yeah. whatever it is yeah. um but then you know spring energy or there's um is it hummer or huma i don't know how to pronounce yeah huma huma yeah. yeah made with chia seeds for example like the real food one um yeah i don't think there's been any long-term studies so mm. i don't know what the effect of you know, if we went out and did long runs every weekend and we were having all this processed sugar weekend after weekend, like what is that going to do to us mm. in the long term? Mm. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but I'm wearing all of it. So, yeah, I think if you can do real food mm. and if you can do real food in training, you can definitely do like easy to digest processed gels in perhaps in, um, in races mm. like because your gut's going to be pretty, pretty good if you can tolerate the real food. So. Yeah, that's my sort of thoughts on that. Yeah. What about your thoughts on like having, I mean, you sort of touched on it anyway that you can mix and match, but could you rely solely on liquid nutrition at all, do you think? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and many, many athletes um, do prefer to do that. Mm -hmm. um, even for, I'm, I'm surprised how long they want to do that for. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, you can, I mean... If you know confidently that you are going to be drinking at least that or you need at least that that amount of um, fluid per hour every hour, so the risk there is if you're just relying on all your um, your fuel coming from drinks, like what if you what if it's cold and you're not going to drink that much per hour then yeah. you're going to get the fuel you need per hour mm. um, but then so that that just comes down to can you yeah if, if that was the situation could you'd probably have to have something in addition to the the drink mm. will make that drink more concentrated there's a risk of concentrating drinks as well because it, it's um you know that can cause gut issues so um yeah so there's there's um have you heard of infinite the product no. infinite no i haven't heard of that one all right so that's um 
what they do is they can make like any concentration. So you could have 60 grams of carb per 500 mil, or you could have 90 grams of carb per 500 mil. And the idea is you, you know, if you need um, 60 grams every hour, you just make it up to the, the 60 gram per 500 and you drink, drink that every hour, basically. Mm -hmm. um, if it's 90, you do it that way. Mm -hmm. What they do is they change the osmolarity of the, the fuel, so all of it is still, you know, at, um, the gastric emptying is all optimal, mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to cause gut issues even up to that 90 grams of carb per hour. Mm. Yeah, so I do, I do, I would recommend, you know, try, if you want to go just fluids, you could try, try something like infinite. Mm -hmm. So what about if you wanted to adapt fat as an mm -hmm. energy source? This is something that I see a lot of people talk about on RMA um, about wanting to know how to adapt fat or be keto or whatever they call it. I don't know if that's even the same thing. I have no idea, but what if you, I know people that have tried this in the past that I've known as, as athletes, as runners that have tried it and have succeeded for a time yeah. doing this. Um, what about what kind of, well, how do people even do that? And what does that actually look like to what be means. adapting fat? Yeah. Um, so the fat adaptation is where you um, can train your body to burn a greater amount of fat as fuel um, in comparison to carbohydrates. So you can see the benefit there in the uh, endurance events and the longer events because, um, uh, as I said before, we've only got a limited amount of carbohydrate stored in the body. And also we can't possibly um, ingest enough carbohydrate to replace what we're losing hour after hour. So the theory is if we are burning more fat as fuel, we need less carbohydrates and therefore we can you know, last longer or uh, delay fatigue in endurance events. And the way to do that, so there's, lots of studies showing that if you go on a very low or no carbohydrate um, diet, for example, the keto, mm -hmm. <clears throat> then um, you increase the fat oxidation, your own fat oxidation. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's, that's a big tick that does happen. We know that, but then they struggle to show if that actually improved performance. Mm -hmm. um, and what, they're saying is that it's good in like there's benefits in these in long slow running or cycling or whatever the exercise is um but in a race situation where it tends to be high intensity mm. you're going to be using carbohydrates there mm. and what the fat adaptation does is actually dampens or it reduces your ability to use the carbohydrates so you actually don't get a performance benefit if it is a intense sort of race situation. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the strategy. Um, you know, I think it. I think it's got its merits though because you can do it where you're fat adapted, but you also um, use carbohydrates in in races and in and in training. Mm. So you can do both. Okay. Um, and rather than doing a really strict and quite restrictive like keto diet or really low carb diet, 
what you can do is in just one of your one of your runs over the week, you can do um, what we call like a depletion run. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and a proper depletion run is where you do like a hard session the day before or the night before. Then you have a very low carb dinner that you don't replace the fuel, the carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And you get up and you train faster the next day. Mm. So your body burns fat has got no carbs you know stored there mm -hmm. but very limited um and so that's effectively training you to be better at burning fat without risking without going on a really restrictive diet and risking that um dampening of your your carbohydrate um utilization mm. so yeah i tend to go that way i think that's a much easier yeah. <laughs> strategy yeah yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you with that. Oh, that's really interesting. I wonder, I might actually give that a go myself. I have tried in the past to give it a little bit of a go, but more like, well, I don't think it was like totally trying to adapt fat. It was more of a, um, you know, the, the fast fasting, like, and trying to train when fasted, I was okay for a while. Mm -hmm. And then it got really hard. Um, mm. the, longer yes, the longer you go. And also the higher training load. So you got to be careful if you do have a really large training load. Like if you're one of those runs is going to be like in a some kind of a depleted state anyway, just because you're probably training so much, you've got a busy life, you may not have you know recovered properly after one session, and then you're training the next day. So you know it's a bit risky to then cut out all your carbohydrates. Yeah, if you've already got all these other stuff going on. Um, yeah. And for some people doing that, um, and particularly some um, women, mm. um, they don't respond well to like no carbs. It's mm. funky and moody. And <laughs> we know that women often struggle with their body, right? It's the given. Everybody yeah. knows that, right? Especially athletes um, in terms of their body image or their body shape. And we see it everywhere in media. We see it everywhere. Um, diet, everything's there's always some negative spin on it on, on, on diet, especially around carbohydrate. And here we are saying we yeah. need carbohydrate as athletes, or we should have some. Do you find that if you see a lot of clients or even just hear a lot of stories in your line of work, that, um, that this is a real issue with athletes and not only just people at the pointy end of the field, which I'm sure it happens to as well, but anybody who is considered an athlete or a runner or whatever they might do, particularly in endurance sport, not mm -hmm. ingesting and consuming enough carbohydrate um, mm -hmm. for their body and how that affects performance. Do you come across that a lot? All the time. Yes. Yeah, all the time. Um, and they've either come to me because they've been injured. Um, they've maybe had a stress fracture. Mm. So that's you know, a pretty big sign, um, one of the signs. Mm. And, or getting sick all the time. Mm -hmm. and yeah often it's or, or no menstrual cycle um so that's usually like the first sort of thing to go and uh, there's also this like fear in society of carbohydrates and that mm -hmm. make you fat and mm -hmm. that sort of stuff but when as i said when you're when you're exercising like carbs is your predominant fuel that you're using mm -hmm. so if we're just not taking it in like we're not replenishing it like you mm -hmm you're going to affect your performance in that you're just going to hit the wall quicker. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have energy to 
you know, to perform. <laughs> yeah. When I was at school um, back in the 90s, everything was around like, you know, food pyramid, all this sort of stuff. Like carbohydrate was a big, big part of your daily diet. And I know that's changed over time in terms of food pyramids and things like that. But we are living in an age where people do, you know, diets are a big thing. They probably, I don't know if it's getting a little bit better than a few years ago, but, and people are, you know, eating maybe maybe this is just my opinion but i i think what i see is people are eating maybe a little bit better or a bit more aware of good nutrition but in terms of carbohydrate do you think that's changed that people still see it as bad in our society today oh i i do think people still see it as bad um yeah and it, you're right it used to be like the biggest food group and and i think what that did is we all went overboard and we had too much yeah Um, now you know there is a balance like we can i know everyone thinks like the word moderation is really boring but it's actually like it's what we need yeah (laughs) like a moderate amount of meat a moderate amount of carbohydrates a moderate amount of this a lot of fruit vegetable vegetables in particular Mm. but um yeah, for some reason, yeah, carbohydrates has this this negative mm. connotation with with weight gain, um, and it gets confusing for active people um, because you do need, you know, you need that for energy. So, mm. yeah, low carb diets and cutting carbohydrates, like cutting out whole food groups from your diet, is going to help you with weight loss initially. Mm. Um, but that's it's also long like long term, it's not sustainable. Um, you're going to need to put them back in at some point. And when you do that, like if, if you go really low carb, you'll lose a lot of weight quickly. Most of it's actually water to start with. Um, so that, that gets people excited as well, right? And they think, oh, you know, it's a great diet, um, but it is a lot of water weight. But then as soon as you put the carbs back in, um, you know, you just gain, get, regain that weight plus, plus more. So I think to achieve weight loss, whilst you're training a lot as well you've got to be strategic about where you're going to cut calories out and and then that may be from carbohydrates as well so i think the key is to always make sure you're fueling and recovering from your sessions particularly quality sessions particularly hard sessions particularly long runs um so focus all your new you know your uh, fuel and your higher carb foods around there and if you're wanting to cut back on calories and um and potentially carbohydrates do it in meals on your rest day or you know at the end of the day if you train in the morning you could have like a lower carb dinner for example Mm. um because that if you don't do that and if you sort of a lot of people will just cut back everywhere and say i'm just going to eat less over the whole day but then you find you've done a training session and you have this small breakfast that doesn't really recover you know, it doesn't give you what you need. So then you might get really hungry at the end of the day um, and you get into this cycle of, you know, trying to lose weight and binging somewhere else and, yeah, it goes out the window. So key thing is eat around training, get your recovery in, fuel where you need to, and then focus on cutting back elsewhere. But what about the people who are doing a lot of running does the demand for nutrition also increase in terms of their training or does it re- remain constant um yeah the demand 
the demand for energy increases um, as training load increases you've got higher energy requirements um, our and and to an extent protein um, that doesn't have to change too much but you might be getting in extra energy which could come from extra carbohydrates maybe some healthy fats and um, a little bit of extra protein it's quite easy to get especially if you eat eat meat or eat animal um, products it's quite easy to get daily protein requirements mm -hmm. without having to add you know supplements and yeah and things like that start by increasing portion sizes on your plate um having um like a greater amount of quality carbohydrates like your sweet potato or your brown rice or quinoa or um, legumes and things like that they're, they're more quality um, less processed uh, not processed carbs mm -hmm. um, and and then you I've got to a stage where I had like two breakfasts or, or two lunches I actually added a whole extra meal mm -hmm. um, in the middle of the morning I train in the morning mm -hmm. um, so yeah and that was you know that's training for I don't know I do like 80 k's a week maybe 90 k's a week yeah um, and I just felt like I needed an extra an extra meal. So you yeah. could do it by increasing portion sizes first. And then if you find you're hungry in between meals, you can have like a more substantial snack rather than just a piece of fruit. Mm. You know, like you might have a bowl of fruit with yogurt and nuts on top, something like that. Yeah. Um, you might make make some like slice or or like a, an egg based you know frittata with veggies in it and mm. the cheese something like that so you're getting protein um sweet potato you could put through it or quinoa mm. um, veggie patties are always like a a winner um because it ticks lots of boxes and it fills you up it's got fiber you do like quinoa and zucchini or something like that or tofu patties even yeah yeah so those sort of more substantial snacks that are just going to fill you up as well because the risk is you'll get hungry um and you'll go for the the junk foods you go you feel like a sweet treat at the end of the day because you haven't had enough earlier on um yeah yeah i'm one of those people <laughs> what's in the cupboard like you know because i'm not organized and i haven't you know made something that's better yeah, being organized, I think that's really key in like meal prepping and yeah. Yeah. And I sit here, so I've got no slices and things in my fridge right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, we would all be organized and we would be able to meal prep, but it's not, and for busy mums, it's not always going to be ideal. Right. But if we had our chance to have an ideal world, then we should all try and have some things. And I guess there's some things that we could make that we could prep that we could freeze even to have yeah. on hand. Um, yeah, for sure. Got, like, I get, could you freeze frittata? Can yes. Freeze that? Yep. Okay, this question, this is gonna open a whole nother. Okay, <laughs> so what about if you suffer from food intolerances or if you're plant-based, vegan, all those things that people mm -hmm. are trying these days, what kind mm -hmm. of nutritional, let's go for, let's go plant-based first. What kind of um, things could people maybe add into their diet or should they add in as an athlete if they're plant-based mm -hmm. that you might not get because you're not eating meat um, mm -hmm. that they might need to consume 
what kind of things they need yeah, to look at. I love uh, so first of all I've got to clarify that plant-based technically means mainly from plants, plants. yeah with small amounts of meat does it yes how come I didn't know <laughs> this yeah um yeah well yeah exactly it's a bit of a misconception i mean it, yeah some when people say plant-based they sometimes are saying vegetarian yeah um, plant-based actually means yeah mainly plants mm-hmm. with a little bit of meat or eggs or animal products um so i love plant-based eating i think it's really good Me too. <laughs> um, yeah uh, but what so if if you're asking a vegetarian are you saying vegetarian they may be vegetarian yeah meat um obviously meat's a main source of protein and iron and b vitamins um so you need to have other plant-based sources of protein so it could be like the, a lot of like legumes like chickpeas and beans and lentils mm-hmm. um, would be really good and they're also quite good for iron too mm-hmm. um and then tofu, tempeh, um, and it's like so soybeans, edamame, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nuts and seeds as well. Okay. So that's all your like plant-based protein foods. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm missing something there, probably am. Um, then like B vitamins, you really can't get that from, you can get that from, um, you can't get them from if you're vegan. So B vitamins you could get if you still eat eggs and um, dairy. It's the vitamin B, like B12 in particular, are in those foods. But if you're vegan, then you'd have to actually take take a supplement. Okay. And I won't go down the vegan path because that's like a whole other whole other <laughs> world. That's um, a whole other podcast episode. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I mean, I just am aware, like some people asked about that, like, you know, what if you have a different kind of diet, what kind of things could you maybe add in? And maybe, you know, mm. people are thinking about maybe eating more plant-based nutrition. Or... Yeah. So I guess um, there's all those things they can add in. And adding in like, like ha- making sure you're having lots of green leafy vegetables for mm. your iron as well. Mm. Um, and going plant-based, you don't absorb a lot of the iron from pl- like plant-based sources of iron it's called um your non-heme iron you've got heme iron from animal sources and non-heme from plant-based and the non-heme iron is not very well absorbed so mm-hmm. to help with that you should be having like high vitamin c rich foods with your iron rich foods so pairing things like spinach which has the iron with like red capsicum or tomatoes which has vitamin c Mm-hmm. Um, or having fruit sort of straight after or with your meal, mm-hmm. but, you know, vitamin C to absorb the iron from the, say, kidney beans and the lentils in that dish. Okay. Um, yeah, that's just another, another trick because you, can, you can, def, can definitely get enough iron, but you do sort of need to think about it and make sure you're having a lot of iron-rich foods mm-hmm. um, like the beans, the spinach, um, yeah chickpeas things like that and i think you know it is so i guess it's kind of like the cool thing or the niche thing at the moment this plant-based thing which is great and it's good for us but i think if you're going to go down that road i will say 
maybe it's good to get some specific advice for someone like yourself. And we'll be putting obviously, you know, where they can reach out to you in the show notes, but so they are getting enough and they're getting all the nutrients and nutrition that they need. If they are thinking of going down that path, not just finding things on Instagram and following that as gospel. Like, um, because I wouldn't even know where to start. If I was really going to go down that road and training, I'd probably need to come and see you and say, okay, what kind of meals can I put together? <laughs> because I have no idea. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what I can do, um, uh, I can help with like, like if you did a food diary, um, mm. you go, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, you can even give me like an example of, a few days and go, this is what I'm aiming for. And then I can um, analyze that and you say, yeah, it's ticks the box for iron or vitamin C and all the micronutrients. So I can put into nutrition software mm. and um, yeah, pump out those results. So you're getting enough of everything. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's usually a good place to start. And I had a, I had a client recently who, who did exactly that. She changed to plant-based eating mm. um, and just wanted to check that she was on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a big thing as well with like plant-based eating, plus your runner, plus your female. Mm-hmm. Um, plus I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, is iron and cal- yeah. iron and calcium. Um, you know, you've got to, you've got to get enough of those, those issues. If you're low, I've had so many people come to me with low iron. Um, we lose iron just from foot strike. So the more we run, we lose it like from actually just breaking up red blood cells when we strike the ground with our foot. So everyone should get their iron checked. If you're running and you're female, get your iron checked at least like once a year. Mm-hmm. Like if you haven't had a blood test in the last year, you should really get one done. Mm. And, and it's not a standard test either. So you do have to ask for iron studies to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that leads me to the next question, <laughs> um, especially about being a female. There's a few questions. So one of the questions someone asked is, and this could be another podcast of itself as well. I'm aware of that. So we're going to just touch on, on it is um, as a female runner, increasing our distances and intensity, but not only that, just running as a female, getting older. Um, how can we do endurance running particularly as a sport without harming our menstrual cycle in terms of two, but not, not only that, but obviously you've got the exercise physiology coming in here, but what about also, how can we help, how can nutrition help play a role in, in stabilizing, I guess, all of that or keeping a bit of an equilibrium? Can it even in terms of, our menstrual because there's so many and i'm aware there's so many things at play age perimenopause menopause like all pregnancy all these things but Mm -hmm. you're the expert so i'm asking the question (laughs) tell the answer (laughs) yeah there's quite a few questions going on in here Um, all right well let's just hone in on one take one out from there right i'm gonna hone in on like keeping your menstrual cycle healthy um, mm. is like it does. And, and this comes like is related to weight loss as well to an extent, but the biggest key in your menstrual cycle is having enough energy in. So if you, as soon as you dip below your and like the energy requirements that you need for your current training load, 
um, the first thing to be affected is going to be your menstrual cycle. And then it'll be, you know, your bone density. You And then you'll get stress fracture. You know, it'll mm. it's called the female athlete uh, uh, triad. Mm. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's a scary thing. Um, but yeah, the first indicator is that amenorrhea of you're losing your menstrual cycle. So they've shown that it's basically en- like low energy intake, which is the contributing factor in that. Um, so that goes back to, to proper fueling and proper recovery. Um, you might have that even, even without weight loss. So yeah, you may not necessarily, you don't need to be underweight or anything to, for your menstrual cycle to stop. Mm. Um, but you, you just need to be having less energy than what you actually require. Mm. Um, okay. So then like menopause, we can sort of touch yeah. on. Let's touch talk on, on that or even just perimenopause, which I know I put a post in RMA just recently and I'm, I'm fine talking about this because I know that I'm definitely going through this. I haven't been formally diagnosed by a doctor of going through it yet, but I know I've been going through this, for probably the last two years and 44, it's definitely happening. Um, But in terms of what I've noticed, the shift in the last probably 12 months with me, I've noticed a huge shift. So, and without going into too much detail of symptoms, you know, like the the first thing I noticed was really increased sweating um, yeah. in, in performance, like just long runs, even back when I was training with Gary, I would be saying like, I do not understand why I am like mm. literally drenched in sweat just to do a 12 K run. Like I don't get it. And yeah. it's not hot. Um, and yeah. And then, but then I'd get night sweats, which were, which were exasperated with training load. So as my load of training went up, I would be waking up absolutely saturated. Like I'd been in a swimming pool in the middle of the night, things like that. And I've ruled out sinister things like, you know, cancer and all that sort of stuff. I went and got blood tests. They couldn't even see whether they did specific tests or not. They couldn't really see whether I was going through perimenopause or menopause or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's even like low energy waking up feeling like I've been hit by a truck, not sleeping properly, all these different signs and symptoms. Um, but in terms of training and my nutritional requirements, I don't know whether there's something that I can do with my nutrition to help mm-hmm. me through this new cycle of life, which I'm obviously yeah. experiencing. So there's yeah. a lot of women, there was like hundreds of comments on this post about perimenopause and what are you experiencing? How can we support each other? So maybe there's something that you might want to impart on the, for those ladies that might be interested in to know, is there some kind of things we can do with our nutrition to help us through these symptoms? Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly it. It's to help. It's not to cure anything. No, we're not going to cure it. <laughs> but, um, no, there are things that you like, I guess that it's good to understand what is going on and the fact that, you know, when your estrogen level starts to decline, all these other things come about, all those symptoms that you've that you've mentioned. Um, and two key ones is that you start losing muscle mass. So you're more prone to, to losing muscle mass. Your metabolism therefore slows down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you start losing uh, bone density. 
Um, so these are things that you, you, know, you might not feel. They're not actually, you know, you're not going to feel like you've lost bone density or maybe muscle mass even. Um, but these are things that would happen over time. So the nutrition and, and exercise is really important in slowing down those things. Um, so you can make sure you're getting like two to three serves of your dairy or um, calcium-rich foods every day. Um, increase your protein intake and make sure it is that quality quality protein where possible. If you're plant-based, you've got a whole variety of different types of um, plant-based proteins in there. You, you know, there used to be this um, thought that you had to have um, all like a few different types of um, plant-based proteins in the one meal. Mm. You don't need to do that. You just need to make sure you have a variety over your day and your week. Mm -hmm. um, to get all the, the adequate um, amino acids that you need for muscle, um, you know, building and repair and things like that, mm -hmm. um, and to prevent your loss in muscle mass. Um, yeah, so uh, that's sort of nutrition side of things. Um, but also what happens is you become more sensitive to, um, like, glucose, to, to glycogen, and so you don't need as many carbohydrates i know we've harped on about carbohydrates mm -hmm. um but you can actually like your body um yeah with switches more to to fats believe it or not even though weight gain is a, a symptom as well you're more sensitive to gly uh, glucose and you're using and fat oxidation goes up so in terms of like race nutrition and, and things like that you might have more like whole foods rather than just your sugar and um and gels and tailwind and all of that stuff alone um you yeah you can, you can make that shift um instead of exercise resistance training hmm. like yeah any strength increased strength training try and do specific targeted exercise for increasing muscle mass hmm. if you don't do it already incorporate it two to three times a week okay um, mum i know <laughs> oh my gosh i have the best of intentions forever <laughs> and i know and i love weight training i have weights in my garage i have everything i need in there <laughs> it's just getting in there but i know when i do i feel so much better yeah and especially for our bones right too like as we're getting older yeah, really yeah. training um, and impact. I mean, we, because we are runners, we should have a higher bone density from all the high impact um, sports we do. Mm. Um, but yeah, having said that, you know, it still could, de could decline. Mm. Um, now, hot flushes like alcohol and caffeine. Mm -hmm. Caffeine, not alcohol. I don't really drink alcohol very much at all, but caffeine, yeah. There's that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know that that might be worth trying if you are getting those hot flushes. Um, okay, on the caffeine, I'm just not over overdoing caffeine like one coffee a day or two coffees a day max. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and the other thing which is sort of like there's a bit of research on is the tart cherry juice, um, it's really high in polyphenols, um, and very like it's got this antioxidant sort of activity um and it's been shown you know helpful in actually in bone density um mm -hmm. but also in recovery um so big thing is getting enough recovery as well mm -hmm. um like you know your sleep is disturbed you 
yeah. waking up in the middle of the night. So you're actually not getting a decent as, as much recovery normally. So you, you do need to take the extra time to, to rest and recover throughout your week where possible. Mm. Um, yeah. And this tart cherry juice is like shown to have benefits in sleep, um, in reducing inflammation, in recovery. Um, and yeah, now bone, bone density as well. So where do we get that? Something. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, online. It's another one that I've got to try and get my hands on as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, what about to? We'll we'll finish on this one, and then I'm going to do the RMA hot lap with you. But um, what about people that are? You know, we've talked about perimenopause, um, but what about training during pregnancy? People mm. that are training during pregnancy, is there an increased demand in terms of someone that wouldn't be training during pregnancy to someone that is in terms of nutrition that they need to be mindful of? Um, yeah, so training during pregnancy, first of all, you can do it. Like unless there's okay. a, yeah, a major complication, um, your doctors advise you not to. Um, if you're a runner and you get pregnant, then keep running. Um, as long as you're comfortable to. Um, so yeah, keep training. Um, exercise is really good for a healthy pregnancy. And yeah, your energy requirements go up, obviously. Um, you're not eating for two though. So <laughs> really? Oh, damn it. <laughs> and it's, it's, got, it's like when your training load goes up, you need to just increase the quality foods in your diet. Your <laughs> nutrient requirements, obviously like your know, iron and folate and and calcium, all of those things go, you know, up very high. So you need to have that multivitamin um, supplement. You do need to take a multivitamin. You can't get everything just from the diet when you're yeah. when you're pregnant. The considerations with pregnancy, um, and you can get this online, of course, is all the the food safety things like not having high mercury fish and not eating raw eggs and all that sort of stuff. So obviously, get that right first, and washing your salad veggies and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, in terms of macronutrients, higher energy demand for sure. Mm. Um, and keep, keep exercising, um, as, as long as you can. Mm. And I guess, you know, if anyone wanted some advice too on diet during pregnancy while train, continuing running, they can come and see you as well. I mean, mm. you see everybody in all different stages of life, I would imagine, um, in yeah, terms definitely. of nutrition and diet, as we've talked about, I really want to encourage people to come and see you or touch base with you to have an appointment if they are going through something like the the perimenopause or the menopause and want to keep running as well. I think it's really important mm -hmm. to, like, I'm going to make an appointment with you because I actually want to check. I do not think that I am covering all the bases with my nutrition at the moment <laughs> because I can feel that the performance is definitely not there <laughs> like it, i'm struggling through yeah. runs that should be easy and all that sort of stuff so there's definitely going to be things that i can do in my nutrition to help me mm -hmm. um so we'll make that appointment <laughs> definitely have to do that and get the blood test as well um yeah. all right well let's just finish off um with the rma hot lap i think we've covered most questions now that were asked i wanted to ask some things specifically about you so the first question I have for you, personally to you, is what is your favourite race fuel mm. right now? Um, right now? Mm. 
training feels bring energy gels me too i love them yeah and and race feel like talk if i can get them they're really hard to get in sydney but talk gel <laughs> i like them because i like the shape of the the shape of the gel and it's about 30 grams of carbs so it's higher carb per gel mm -hmm. i like that yeah. yeah that's good all right what about your favorite post run snack what's your favorite go-to um i love like i always get like salmon and eggs on toast yeah salmon or eggs or both yeah sometimes with hollandaise sauce <laughs> oh, <fancy>. yeah. <laughs> uh what about your favorite pre-race meal pre-race meal like in the morning yeah say in the morning yeah yeah i'd have um i haven't raced for a while like you do like oats oats and a banana and honey do you like do the quick oats like or just like them overnight ah. like the whole oats yeah nice what about do you prefer say you're running a really long ultra and you mm -hmm. hit an aid station if you were to take anything from the aid station would you take something sweet or something savory oh it, well i've never taken something from that <laughs> <laughs> okay well if you were gonna put something in your pack <laughs> i reckon i might take like chips or something because i don't have that on me yeah so have the, like i reckon i'd feel like chips maybe <laughs> i have a picture of me at ut 800 with a hand like my whole thing of my hands like full of chips and I put them in a bag and I took them with me and and no one was allowed to take them away from me and by the time I finished the race they were like this crushed up ball of <laughs> chips and I didn't even eat them but I wouldn't let anyone take them <laughs> I just had to have them next to me I don't know why it was so funny they just couldn't take them from me yeah um okay the last quick the last question is uh, what has been your favorite thing about your career? Oh, oh, my favorite thing about my deep question. I think my favorite thing is getting those little comments in my week about how much I've helped someone. Um, you know, like I have a guy who, for as an example, a guy comes into the gym and he says like this group saved my life i'm like wow like that's 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 good <laughs> um that's probably like an, a really good example but mm -hmm. that you get like little comments like that um yeah or or even just like i cooked a, I cooked a tofu stir fry last night and i love tofu now <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know they like tofu before like i don't know uh, yeah know so helping other people like is, yeah yeah that's what you do is what you've chosen a career that is actually serving others really that's right yeah i get a lot of satisfaction out of that hmm. yeah that's so nice well thanks for joining us today and um, where can people find you if they want to get in touch i will put it in the show notes but you can let us know where would people be able to find you if they want to get in touch um, look the the best way is either Instagram or email. Yeah. Um, What's your Insta? Instagram is at the running dietitian mm -hmm. uh, and dietitian spelt with a T, not a C. Mm -hmm. And 
my email is sophie at diethealthfitness.com.au Great. Thanks for coming on today, Sophie. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks for joining us for another great episode of the RMA podcast. I hope you loved all the information that Sophie gave to you today during this episode. If you'd like to get in touch with Sophie, I'll put her details in the show notes. You can organize an online consultation or even an in-person consultation with Sophie to arrange a nutrition program suitable to you to help you with your performance. Next time on the podcast, I bring to you a really exciting interview with Yana Pittman. I talk to Yana about all things being a junior athlete, to her Olympic career, to becoming a mom, both with her ex-partner and also as a solo mom, and now what it's like for her as a mom of four children. I talked to her particularly about how she navigated that time as an athlete, a parent, and also training to be a doctor and her interest in women's health. So this episode is going to be jam-packed full of exciting information. I really can't wait to share Yana's story with you. I find her really inspiring and she's a great asset to women all over Australia. So I look forward to bringing that episode to you next time. For now, thank you for joining in the podcast today. Please share this with your friends. Head over and rate, subscribe and review. And I'll speak to you next time.